0: Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed
1: podcast.
2: We have an incredible program lined up for you tonight. Mario, who is our wonderful guest we're going to hear tonight?
0: We have Gary Kaw back with us. He's a friend of World Prayer Network, has been on several times. Uh, he's former international trade specialist with Indiana State Government. He traveled extensively. And through uh, his years, he was able to glean a lot of info- information about the global developments uh, to take over the world. And he's just got incredible insights and contacts. Uh, he also is part of the Ebenezer. Uh, he's a director of Ebenezer Ministries, uh, working on um, Aliyah also globally, the return of the Jewish people back home. Gary, thank you so much for joining us. The floor is yours.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Good to see you, Mario, and also uh, Jim and Rosemary. And good to be back with all of you on the World Prayer Network. Thanks for inviting me. Um, Wow, there's so much going on in the world, and we have a lot of ground to cover. So I'm I'm just going to jump right in. Back in, in the spring, um, I was on Curtis Bower's program. Some of you know Curtis. Um, a gentleman uh, contacted him after the program and said he really needs to uh, get in touch with me. He had something important to share. So I got a call from Curtis asking me if it was all right um, you know, to communicate with him. I said, that's fine. Give him my number. And so we uh, talked, this gentleman and I, Uh, for over an hour. And um, it turns out he uh, had been involved, has been involved in the global environmental movement for a number of years now. He came into it unwittingly, but once he realized that it was part and parcel uh, of the uh, broader one world movement, uh, he has stayed in it. And he has been in, in close contact with Uh, on a fairly regular basis uh, with various members of the World Economic Forum and one of those individuals um, he had lunch with just shortly before our phone call and uh, he posed to him a kind of statement question uh, along the lines of, hey, as fast as things are moving along right now, uh, could the Great Reset still be implemented yet this year? and almost in a split second reaction, the guy uh, from the World Economic Forum said 2024, 2024, just emphatically. Now that was earlier this year. And um, and just so you know, I I have never set dates. I don't do that because it denies the God factor. We know that God can intervene and push things back, uh, but it's still helpful to know what our adversaries are, are planning. And so um, I think we, need to be somewhat prepared for something big hitting us maybe in 2024 2025 we'll have to see Uh, but clearly they're planning uh, something Um, my new friend also told me uh, in no uncertain terms that this great reset agenda uh, to bring about a one world uh, government system is demonic in nature with various occult-based secret societies lending their support and leading the charge from behind the scenes. it's what he told me. Um, the devil is an expert in crisis management, or I would say crisis manipulation. He's, he's a master deceiver. It's what he does. His strategy is to create a crisis, then to make it worse by fanning the flames, and then introducing the so-called solution on his terms. And and this is the blueprint that globalists have been following for some time. They help to create a crisis or currently more than one crisis, crises, and they make them worse and worse. And then ultimately they will come in with what they will present as their solution to the problem. Globalists who are pushing the one world agenda have to get things to the point where every area of our lives is threatened and in a state of crisis. Why? Well, because if everything's going fairly well in the world, why would the American people and people elsewhere in the world embrace a whole new governmental system uh, that gives these people more control over the people? They, they, they wouldn't do that if everything's going well. So our world has to appear as if it's absolutely coming apart at the seams. And when things get really bad and people are ready to throw their hands up and say, you know, this is it, uh, we're going to destroy ourselves, the world's falling apart, that's, I believe, when they're going to step in with their uh, solution. And it will be uh, financial, uh, as well as uh, there will be a spiritual dimension to this, and it will be quite comprehensive in my view. Globalists have managed to spawn crises on our border. Uh along with unprecedented lawlessness and crimes in our streets. Um, I mean, crime everywhere, every major city in the United States just about has doubled or tripled in the last few years. Uh, Also in the area of social and racial tensions in our culture and rampant confusion and immorality brought upon our children through our schools and our media you know, a lot of our kids don't even know if they're boys or girls anymore or what they want to be. Uh, a church here in Indiana, not far from our own church, uh, which has a, a youth group of maybe 80 kids or so, we found out through friends of ours who go there and are very involved that seven of these kids are considering sex changes. This is in a Christian youth group. This is this kind of stuff is, is happening all across the country. Unbelievable. The ultimate aim of those behind this uh, so-called Great Reset uh, Agenda 2030, or the New World Order, is to gain complete control of the world's social, religious, and financial structures in order to install a centralized and very strictly regulated totalitarian international system, similar to that of China's social credit system. But, with a luciferic religious component some of the people in the higher levels of this movement actually believe that lucifer is the god of light and that adonai the god of the christians and jews is the god of darkness and that lucifer is warring against adonai on behalf of mankind to liberate mankind and set him free from the bondage that Adonai has placed him under, with all the rules and commandments and, and and things like that. This is actually taught in these circles, and I documented uh, much of this in my book, *In Roots of Global Occupation*, in chapters five and six, and then again in uh, *The New World Religion* in the first couple of chapters. Uh, one of the organizations heavily involved in this was actually founded under the name Lucifer Publishing Company back in 1922. And then changed its name to Lucis Trust and is still very actively involved and has a great deal of influence at the United Nations. Some of this is it's really hard to believe um, but again I documented it in my book actually reproducing even uh, pages from uh, some of these uh, individuals and organizations. These individuals will do whatever it takes to achieve their goal including precipitating World War III, if necessary. Uh, I wrote an article examining this possibility back in March. It's titled, On the Brink of World War III? And uh, you can read it at our website, which is garykaw.org. So I won't elaborate on it too much here, uh, but I just wanted to share one paragraph from that article with you to kind of set the stage uh, before I go further. I wrote, the longer the Ukraine war rages, the greater the likelihood that a NATO member will encounter hostile exchanges with Russia, thus activating Article 5 of the NATO agreement and drawing all NATO countries into the conflict. It appears that this is what the global elites cooperating with the World Economic Forum are pushing for. Having lost their COVID pandemic momentum, they need a crisis of historic proportions to sink the ship, to completely destroy the old world order of sovereign nation states. The world's current economic and financial system must be brought to its knees before their new global digital cashless system can be effectively introduced as the only solution. For that to occur, energy prices must continue to remain high, inflation must soar, supply chains must be disrupted, and food and basic commodities must become scarce. The fact is, the global elite who are committed to the pursuit of a one-world government and financial system desperately need this war. Never mind the fact that tens of thousands of Russian and Ukrainian soldiers will lose their lives nor that innocent Ukrainian civilians will continue to die or have their lives ruined. They don't care about that. They just care about their end goal. Just a few weeks ago, uh, I was over in Budapest, Hungary. Uh, As Mario mentioned, uh, I've had the privilege of, of serving on the board of Ebenezer Operation Exodus for a number of years now. I've also been on their uh, US affiliate board, uh, Operation Exodus USA, and have been the go-between between between these these two boards. Well, the international board had their uh, meeting in Budapest, and there was a reason for that. Uh, We've been actively involved in helping to get uh, Jewish uh, people out of Ukraine. Um, We have uh, two full-time employees in Ukraine and a lot of volunteers helping to get them to the border. And then from there, uh, two of our people in Poland have been meeting them uh, along with a group of volunteers. Uh, we have rented out an entire hotel there. And this has been going on for months now as they've been streaming out. But now Poland, is it's full. Uh, they can't take uh, very many more uh, people. And so increasingly, uh, Jews are coming out of Ukraine into Hungary, also Moldova, and to some extent, Romania. And so we've uh, been setting up operations there. So uh, Budapest kind of has become ground zero in in, in some respects. And and I learned a lot while there um, uh, because we had people actually able to come to the meeting from not only Ukraine, but also from Russia working for Ebenezer Operation Exodus. So it was quite an exchange of information. It's a terrible situation. what is happening is, uh, and you may already know this, in Ukraine, if you are the husband of a family, if you have three or more children, uh, you're able to leave the country with your family and get out. But if you have two children or less, you have to remain in the country for military purposes if you're uh, under the age of, I believe, 55. And so... Uh, We have a situation where a lot of moms, Jewish moms are are coming out with their children, uh, but they're temporarily staying in either Poland, Germany, the Netherlands, Italy, other places, uh, waiting up, hoping that their husbands can come out and join them because they don't want to make Aliyah by themselves to Israel without their husbands. And and so there's that going on. But I'd say about half of these uh, families, nonetheless, are making Aliyah anyway. And so we've been uh, working very closely with the Jewish agency to make that happen, uh, really for thousands uh, who are making Aliyah to Israel. Uh, I also learned at this uh, meeting that several of the leading rabbis in Ukraine have announced to their people that they want all Jews out of Ukraine by one year from this coming spring. Uh, so, by we're in 2023, so by early uh, 2024, they would like to have them all out. So, that tells me uh, they believe this war is going to expand and get worse, and that there's not an end coming uh, very soon to it. And so that was just a confirmation to me. Uh, We've already been thinking along those lines, um, but to hear it coming from people actually in Ukraine who've been in touch with some of these rabbis uh, was very uh, significant and enlightening. Um, There's a lot more I could share about that, but I think that's kind of the essence of what's going on there. Um, Meanwhile, the US is cleverly being drawn into this war. We are providing now over 60% of the military resources for Ukraine, over 60%. And Putin has warned the US uh, repeatedly, at least five times now that I am aware of. The most recent warning coming just a few weeks ago when the Biden administration announced that we would be sending our Patriot missile defense system over there. Uh, Putin basically has seen that as the US declaring war on Russia. Regardless of what's really taking place, that's how he is is viewing this. And so uh, back in April, uh, during a a speech uh, to lawmakers in in Russia, uh, he stated that if the US becomes more involved and and keeps going in the direction uh, that it's going in, at some point, there will be a, a response from Russia And that they won't announce it before they do it, they're just going to do it, and that it's going to be extreme. And we don't know if that means uh, a cyber attack or an EMP, which would be much worse, or possibly even a a limited nuclear strike. None of those have been ruled out. And so I cringe every time I see the U.S. media almost mocking Putin and making fun of him uh, for how poorly Russia is doing in this war. Uh, Putin sits on top of more nuclear bombs than the rest of the world combined, literally. I'm not exaggerating that statement. Numerically, he has more bombs than the U.S., China, Great Britain, France, Israel, Pakistan, uh, India, all put together. And uh, we know from scripture that the world is not going to be completely destroyed, right? It's not like all the nuclear bombs in the world are going to be released. However, a limited nuclear strike is a very real Possibility, and that has actually been discussed and contemplated in in Russia. So we're living in, in in dangerous times of of escalation. During the administration of George H. W. Bush, I had I had secret clearance for three years. In an organization that was part of the U.S. emergency management structure. I was a volunteer in it, they recruited me, and uh, today it exists under the Department of Homeland Security, uh, which was of course created after my time of service. But during one of our meetings, a tabletop exercise was conducted that walked participants through a future scenario that might lead to us members uh, being called in to serve. On the day of that exercise, I was unfortunately quite ill. I had a fever, uh, I believe it was the 24-hour flu. And so I stayed back in my hotel room. However, uh, another member, a colleague of mine from Indiana was able to participate in the exercise and gave me a a play-by-play the following day of what happened. And so the tabletop scenario unfolded in the following way. A war broke out overseas in the European and Middle East theater of operation. The United States, due to its alliances, became involved on the periphery of this conflict. The situation escalated, drawing the U.S. deeper into the growing quagmire. Suddenly, When least expected, foreign enemies that had been lurking off our coasts launched a limited nuclear attack against some of our largest coastal cities, including New York. Martial law was then immediately declared, and we were called in to take up our specific regional assignments. This was the flow of this uh, scenario, of this tabletop exercise. Uh, The U.S., by the way, has been divided into 10 regions for the purpose of emergency governance. Here in Indiana, uh, Chicago would be the headquarters of our particular uh, region. The unfolding real-time scenario that we're experiencing today is eerily similar to the one conveyed to me some three decades ago when I was part of this organization. The nuclear threat posed by Russia, China, and their closest allies should not be underestimated. A prideful U.S. believes that we are invincible, but I'm telling you, we are not. Last year, Vladimir Putin held an emergency nationwide drill in which his government successfully managed to move over 40 million Russian citizens, that's almost a third of them, into nuclear bomb shelters within 15 minutes time. That's an incredible feat when you think about it. Putin believes his country and military can survive a nuclear attack. If he is backed into a corner and becomes desperate enough, he could well do the unthinkable and launch his arsenal against the United States. I'm sharing this at at this time, and I have been over the last few months because I believe the Lord has prompted me to do so at this time. I've been holding on to a lot of this information, just keeping it kind of to to myself and and people close to me. Um, But I I think now is the time to be sharing this. And I I cannot pretend uh, to know whether you know a catastrophic event is going to befall the US in, in the next few years, but I do believe that God wants his kids to be prepared spiritually uh, as well as physically to whatever extent possible to endure the coming difficult times Uh, because I I just don't believe that things are going to get any easier. At best, things may plateau for a time under the right circumstances, but I don't believe they're going to become any uh, easier to drive home uh, these very real possibilities. I just wanna share another interesting encounter I had while down in Costa Rica a few years ago. While down there, I met a a gentleman and his wife. Uh, He worked in a key position in the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, He is a believer, uh, very level-headed gentleman. I have no reason to doubt uh, the things that he told me. Um, after eating a bit and kind of getting to know each other, I, I asked him what, you know, what brings you down here to Costa Rica? And after pausing for a moment, he shared with me that, uh, you know, a little bit about his job. And, um, he said, uh, a couple months earlier, uh, there was an internal memo that came across his computer screen. And it was a map of the United States. And on that map, uh, several dozen locations were flagged where there were re-education centers that had been established in these locations. And so within hours, within 24 hours especially, uh, some people in the downline, began contacting the higher-ups saying, what's this all about? Re-education centers all over the United States. So when the questions began to be asked, it was pulled. It, it came down. But it was up long enough that he got a good look at it. And he became very concerned. And um, uh, he, in fact, he, he called them camps. Uh, a lot of these are at former US military bases. Some of them are very large. They could handle tens of thousands of people. Others uh, were viewed to be more like transfer points, transfer centers, and that type of thing. But he said the reason he was in Costa Rica was that he was trying to find a place down there that he could purchase that would be big enough for his family, his children, as well as grandkids, uh, to be able to to move to. He was actually looking to get out of the country. This was a, a significant, prominent member of the Department of Homeland Security. Um, Again, this was a few years back. I I don't know where that all stands now, but I I don't think much has changed, especially under the current administration. Things are moving forward, if if anything. If the secret society globalists have their way, those of us who are conservative, Bible-believing Christians and Jews, I believe, can expect persecution on a significant scale these forces see us as standing in their way, pure and simple. And so they will deal with that as they see fit when that time comes. There's already a significant level of persecution, of course, underway in China. Uh, So let's take a, a, a look at some of China's influence Uh, since the goal of globalists is to gain control of the world's resources and to deal with those of us who stand in their way, something that the CCP has been very effective at doing and that the U.S. government seems to be copying, unfortunately. In some respects, most notably politically, the U.S. has already become much like our adversaries. For example,
2: Gary, we lost your sound. Am
1: I back? You're back now. We we lost you about 10 seconds ago. About 10 seconds? Okay. I'll, um, I'll go back to uh, where I was talking about um, where we're becoming much like our adversaries, uh, unfortunately. For example, when it comes to implementing COVID mandates and censoring those who voice a different, non-left-wing perspective, the US government and media are behaving more like the CCP than the leaders of a free, independent nation. The fact is, we have already lost many of uh, of our freedoms to a Marxist globalist establishment, which is directing the current Biden administration. We are on a socialist path to becoming like communist China. Some people may think that's a strong statement, but I really believe uh, that's where we stand right now. Uh, You've got globalists behind the scenes dominating this administration and moving us in a certain uh, direction. China's extreme COVID lockdown measures are being championed by globalists, who see China as the COVID response model for the rest of the world. However, China's own citizens who are among the most compliant, nonviolent people in the world have finally had enough and are taking to the streets by the thousands to protest their government's draconian, zero tolerance COVID enforcement. And Xi Jinping has backed down just a little bit for a while in order to appear reasonable, but I'm telling you, he's certain to enforce the CCP's policies moving forward. He is a hardcore communist who's demonstrated his unswerving loyalty to China's Communist Party time and time again. So I don't believe he's going to back down no matter how much of an uprising they have over there. Jinping has been ruthlessly intolerant of anyone who doesn't adhere to his party's rigid platform. The level of persecution against Chinese Christians worshiping in underground Bible-believing churches has risen dramatically over the last few years, with Jinping doubling down on churches even more so during the COVID lockdowns. He was ruthless. His actions are in line with what a Chinese Christian told me in Rome, Italy in the spring of 2019, prior to COVID, when I was over there at another Ebenezer uh, board meeting sharing privately with me after a church service, they warned me not to be fooled by Jinping's seemingly pleasant smile. They stressed the fact that he hates Christians as well as the United States and will do whatever it takes to destroy his opposition. He's completely dedicated to the Marxist agenda for worldwide dominance." The intentionally created COVID crisis I believe was meant to facilitate a global power grab by Marxists who were already in place, occupying key positions in governments worldwide. China's role was to leak the specially engineered virus and spread it quickly throughout the world with the help of depopulation advocates who also happen to be dedicated globalists. The more information that comes out regarding the true origins of COVID, The more plausible this scenario becomes. I also believe that time will show that the primary funding for this dark assault on humanity came from globalist gain-of-function supporters in the United States, who moved their research operations to China because of pressure back home. But regardless of the U.S. role, China has taken COVID mandates the farthest in the shortest amount of time. The CCP under Jinping's leadership, has clearly weaponized the pandemic to further consolidate their social credit score system, made possible only because of China's already functioning virtually airtight surveillance network. Their social credit score system closely monitors the behavior and movements of all Chinese citizens, rewarding or punishing them based on their compliance with the CCP's imposed regulations and mandates. The system's enforcement is further made possible by the fact that every person's financial transactions are known to the CCP because China is now almost cashless. Nearly all purchases of China's citizens over the last few years have been made via plastic and the digital yuan currency has become accepted being widely used in several provinces in conjunction with digital ID. So the tracking of Chinese citizens has become virtually seamless, giving the CCP government complete authoritarian control. This is what the Biden administration, I believe, has in store for US citizens, and his close contacts and camaraderie with with China uh, should make us feel uneasy about where things are going. In late September, the Federal Reserve announced a major pilot exercise for an ESG social credit score system here in the United States. The Fed stated, and I quote, six of the nation's largest banks will participate in a pilot climate scenario analysis exercise designed to enhance the ability of supervisors and firms to measure and manage climate-related financial risks." End quote. This experimental ESG program is being dubbed climate finance and is moving us in the direction of the CCP's social credit score system in the name of saving the environment. According to financial journalist, Jordan Schachtel, which, who I would like to quote at length here because he gives an excellent summary of this, He says, and I quote, the climate narrative is the chief rhetorical facilitator for the ESG environmental, social, and governance movement. ESG acts as a Trojan horse for the continuing centralization of the American financial system. ESG finance, popularized by hyper-political asset management behemoths like BlackRock and Vanguard, acts to prevent outsiders from challenging the regime-connected insiders on Wall Street and in Washington under the guise of acting to manifest a healthier planet. In other words, pro-ESG institutions are committed to attacking free market principles by means of deception, preferring the CCP-style stakeholder capitalism that allows for a small group of technocratic, elites to make broad determinations about society. Shacktel adds, the ESG green transition, frequently popularized by powerful, powerful world governments and the Davos, that is the World Economic Forum, elite, has served as the main vehicle for this movement, akin to the Chinese social credit score, which is used to coerce businesses and by extension, individuals into specific actions. ESG rules force individuals and businesses in America to deploy capital through the gatekeepers of the system, end quote. And that's where we're at right now. This whole thing is unfolding in real time right now. The banks involved in the Fed's pilot program, in case you're wondering, are Bank of America, Citigroup, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan Chase, Morgan Stanley, and Wells Fargo. And a few months ago, it was announced that this program is set to launch in early 2023. That's where we are right now. So if it's not already officially launched, it will be within the next few weeks. Fortunately, and this is a positive development, the governments of Florida South Carolina, Missouri, and Louisiana, along with a few other states, have recently decided to move their state's funds out of BlackRock because of that firm's commitment to the ESG agenda. So again, kudos to these states for for leading the way. More states are considering similar actions. I would encourage others uh, to pull their assets out of these groups that are supporting the ESG agenda. While it is true that these companies have made huge returns for their investors, I I have to ask the question, what's more important, making the largest amount of money or taking an ethical stand to remain a free people? That's a question all of us are going to have to answer. Uh, These people know how to make money, uh, they're ahead of the curve. They know what's going to happen before it happens, financially speaking. And that's why people have invested in them. And so many of us have our funds in, in these uh, organizations through uh, investment groups that, that we belong to. And so we're all going to have to take a good hard look at this. Uh, but I'm, I'm proud of these states who are taking a stand because they see where this is going. And, th- and, this, and that this is ultimately going to enslave all of us if it keeps going down this path. Now, speaking of money, developments and the push for digital currency are moving in tandem with the ESG agenda. On November 15th, the Federal Reserve Bank of New York announced that it would be launching a 12-week pilot program for a central bank digital currency here in the United States. And these central bank digital currencies, for short, are known as CBDCs, again, Central Bank Digital Currencies. The pilot program involves central banks, commercial banks, and regulated non-banks. Banking giants participating in this trial run include BNY Mellon, Citibank, HSBC, MasterCard, PNC Bank, TD Bank, Truist, U.S. Bank, and Wells Fargo. And I expect other banks uh, to join in. The U.S. dollar in this exercise will be represented as tokens and settled through simulated central bank reserves on a shared distributed ledger using technology provided by SETL and Digital Asset, those two companies. SWIFT, which I'm sure all of you have heard of, uh, the global payments provider, is also participating in this program, as is the New York Innovation Center, which is actually part of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. So this is huge. France, Switzerland, and Singapore have already conducted a joint trial for their digital currencies, Uh, one of the first of its kind. However, China has made the most notable advances in this area. According to Investopedia, China has tested its digital yuan in several provinces, and the currency is even available to users on the popular app WeChat. It recently added four provinces to its list of regions for the CBDC trial, so it's becoming much more than a trial. It's just being implemented over there. As with its social credit score system, China is leading the way in the implementation of digital currency with the intent of tightening its economic grip on its own people and on the free world. The U.S. is unfortunately following China's lead with an announcement by the Biden administration expected in the months ahead. The Fed's introduction of the digital dollar, in my opinion, this is my opinion now, will probably be timed in such a way as to precede or closely coincide with President Biden's signing of the World Health Organization's International Pandemic Treaty. So this is the third part of this prong. We have the ESG, the digital currency and also the World Health Organization's International Pandemic Treaty. This treaty is being written right now, it's being finalized, and it's being written in such a way that it will usurp our national sovereignty and that of other nations if signed. So Congress will need to do everything possible in its power to put pressure on Biden not to sign that uh, treaty when it becomes fully available, which will be sometime, I believe, in 2023. Anyone who refuses to take the jab when the next bioweapon is released may have their digital wallet frozen if all of this goes through. If you want to purchase food, it would be difficult unless you've taken the latest vaccine. I I genuinely believe that this is where things are headed over the next few years, Uh, unless, again, Congress cracks down and puts pressure on this administration. China's very close collaboration with the UN and its World Health Organization makes the unfolding events somewhat predictable. We can see where all of this is going. In fact, on a side note, um, I just recently was sent this article uh, by a friend of mine in Italy. They happened to stumble onto it, they sent it to me. I tried to get it into our winter issue, but it was already being printed. I couldn't get it in. Uh, But uh, many of you will remember event 201, a meeting that took place in New York City. Uh, It was a trial run, a dress rehearsal, a tabletop exercise, they called it, uh, on how uh, governments would react to a COVID-19 pandemic. And then about two months later, just coincidentally, things began to unfold almost exactly how they took place in that dress rehearsal a couple months earlier. Well... Now, another dress rehearsal, a similar one, has been held, and I'm going to quote from this this article. Uh, It says, the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security, in partnership with the World Health Organization and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, conducted catastrophic contagion a pandemic tabletop exercise in Brussels, Belgium on October 23rd of 2022. That's just two months ago, roughly. Again, this was called catastrophic contagion. And the sponsors and the people involved in steering this were the same group of people involved in Event 201. The group of participants also consisted of 10 current and former health ministers involving several of uh, the African nations along with Singapore, India, and Germany. And of course, uh, along with Bill Gates and, and powerful people like that. The exercise simulated a series of WHO Emergency Health Advisory Board meetings addressing a fictional pandemic set in the near future. Participants grappled with how to respond to an epidemic located in one part of the world that then spread rapidly, becoming a pandemic with a higher fatality rate than COVID-19 and disproportionately affecting children and young people. So there you have it. I think this gives us a clue of where they're wanting to take things. Uh, in the in the months ahead and I don't know if it's going to be in 2023 or 2024 beyond but they said in the near future they're preparing for this to occur sometime uh, in the near future so uh, with that being said turning back to China for a moment uh, before I begin to wrap up the U.S. unfortunately is dependent on China for most of our life-saving medications including antibiotics over 80% of which are produced in China. It's actually closer to 90%, the last I knew. And we import so many of our strategic goods from lithium batteries to every sort of high-tech energy component from China that we are essentially held hostage. From an economic standpoint, we are boxed in. Uh, China working closely with its globalist partners in the West dominates and, in some areas, completely controls the supply chains. This gives China, an authoritarian Marxist superpower, enormous leverage over the United States. Coupled with the pressure stemming from the escalating war in Ukraine, China's growing influence over the global economy virtually ensures the implementation of a worldwide system of socialism that secret society oligarchs have been working toward for many years. Jinping's regime is merely setting their stage. This is all coming together, and we shouldn't be surprised. The Bible prophesied this type of system being in existence in the last days. If you read Revelation chapter thirteen and fourteen, uh, it spells it out. Uh, it describes uh, in the in those two chapters a type of end times global. Uh, political system that will use its economic and military power to enforce a type of religious worship. Ultimately, it is about religion, Satan wanting the worship of of mankind. And these people, whether wittingly or unwittingly, are basically doing Satan's bidding, uh, pulling all of this together. So in light of the unfolding global economic geopolitical and military developments we need to prepare now in order to help and be a testimony for christ as things unfold as god's ambassadors and voices of spiritual hope when the darkness of this world closes in we must take the lead and not the back seat i believe you'd all agree with me on that Uh, we need to do good unto others And we need to represent the Lord's cause of righteousness and truth as these things unfold. The Holy Spirit has moved powerfully throughout history when things seemed the darkest and the persecution of saints was prevalent. We as Christ followers are called to be faithful to the end, no matter what comes our way. Fervent prayer and patient endurance are key to spiritual victory if we hold fast our reward will be great as James the brother of Jesus wrote in one of my favorite uh, passages James 1:12, he said blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him we need to remain vigilant so that we are not caught off guard by the deceptions and surprises of this world. As believers in Jesus, we should prepare ourselves and our families, both physically and spiritually, for the times ahead. And we need to do so while we can. (laughs) Along with the common sense preparations that many of you have already undertaken, here are a few additional steps for you to consider. And I'll be very brief. Carefully consider moving the bulk of your money out of large regional or national banks, which are generally dominated by globalists who are in step with the World Economic Forum. Place your money instead into smaller, locally owned, stable banks and financial institutions. This could buy you some much needed time when things crash, as locally held community banks may be a bit slower and less restrictive in converting over to the new system. Secondly, I would keep a reasonable amount of hard cash on hand in your home for short-term purchases if banks shut down or a war-type crisis occurs. Long-term cash probably won't do you a whole lot of good, but in the short term, it could come in very helpful under uh, those kind of circumstances. Thirdly, If you can afford to do so, purchasing a supply of gold and silver coins to have available for the purpose of bartering uh, would not be a bad idea. And finally, if you are a person of substantial resources, owning hard assets is recommended. Making debt-free, and I emphasize debt-free purchases of land, houses or other useful resources would be a smart choice as opposed to simply leaving your money sit in a bank. I would avoid taking on any new debt at this time. Uh, We've also prepared a list at the request of our subscribers. We've gotten a a number of people who've contacted us saying, could you put together a list of things that would be very useful in a time of, of crisis? And I actually had held back on that because I don't want people to be so focused on the physical that they don't focus on the spiritual. And sometimes that happens. Um, but the, the kind of times we're living in, there is a place for physical preparation. And so I prayerfully put together a list of, of about 30 or so items uh, that, you know, if people have the money and resources that they could obtain uh, to be somewhat prepared if a crisis hits. And so they would be in a position to be able to help other people uh, who are caught off guard, I think it will be a tremendous opportunity uh, to be witnesses for Christ uh, when this eventually happens. And I believe the Lord has been very gracious to give us uh, time to prepare. Uh, So um, this was in our winter issue. Those of us who get it uh, will have received this. Uh, And those of you who subscribe to our, our publication in the next few weeks, would still get this. We'll send it out to you, and eventually we'll, we'll get that posted on our website as well. Yeah. While physical preparation is encouraged, as I said, being prepared to face the future spiritually is by far the most important thing, which is why we have emph- emphasized this point over and over in our articles and messages. Unless we are walking very closely with the Lord, in the power of his Holy Spirit, we will simply be overwhelmed and rendered useless by the the events to come. Our stability must be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. He has to be our anchor, our rock, in whom we trust and find rest. So then, walk in daily repentance and obedience to our Creator, and love him with all your heart Soul, mind, and strength, and abide in his presence. As Jesus so clearly stated I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. Without the Spirit of God living in us, we are merely empty vessels adrift in a confused and increasingly dangerous world. But with God dwelling in us and leading us through difficult circumstances, we will be overcomers no matter what we face. Come what may, our destiny, our spiritual future is secure in Christ our Savior. And that's the good news. Nobody can take away our salvation from us. Our eternity is secure no matter what happens in this world. But I believe in this world, God is still going to do mighty things in these last days through people like us in in the World Prayer Network. And I think he's positioning us to take advantage of the situation when some of these things unfold so that we can be powerful witnesses for the Lord in these times. And thank you very much. I know I'm sure I went over, but I'll entertain some some questions if, if we have time for that.
0: Yeah, Not a problem. Thank you so much, uh, Gary. That was uh, chilling. I have just a, a couple and then Jim may have some. Uh, what is your website again for those that want to get that information?
1: Yeah, our website is GaryCaw.org. So just my name.org, G-A-R-Y-K-A-H
0: dot O-R-G. Um, if you can just very quickly, your best guess for the next six to 12 months in terms of economic deterioration, supply chain cycle, breaches, um, what might we expect most likely six to 12 months from now? Um, I believe things will keep
1: going in the direction that they've been headed in. Um, But I believe the powers that that be will take advantage of certain uh, situations that will come along. Uh, One thing worth watching is the war In Ukraine, between Ukraine and Russia, and what happens there. Um, Also, uh, you know, the stock market has stayed up there pretty high. It's been hovering between 32,000 and 35,000. And even under normal circumstances, in my view, that's way overvalued. And so if if things drag on in Congress and we head toward what could be perceived as a, a constitutional crisis, uh, even if the Republicans get their act together, but there's a standoff with the Biden administration and things get pretty tense, um, uh, the stock market could get enough jitters that things could start coming down and escalating on that front. Um, I, I do believe that the current pilot exercises that are going on with the ESG and the CBDC uh, currencies, I think the people involved in that, the powers involved in that, want that to run its course so that they can tweak things and learn from any mistakes. Uh, But pretty soon they're gonna be ready with that. I mean, within three to six months, I think they will have worked those bugs out. So anytime after that, they'll be ready to implement this. And that's why they're doing these exercises right now. And in China, they just kept rolling it out. You know, it was an exercise to start with and now it's blanketing the whole country. And the CBD uh, uh, currency, the one, digital currency is being implemented nationwide. Uh, That could happen here as well. Um, People are waking up now in our circles. They needed to 30 years ago, but praise God it's happening now. But I believe the globalists have an incentive to move fairly quickly because if they linger too long uh, and more and more people catch on to what's going on, they're gonna have a, a, a real challenge, a much bigger challenge on their hands. And so I don't think they're going to slow down a whole lot. Uh, but we also know that, that you know, God can intervene. If, if there's massive repentance in this country on a scale that we haven't seen to date, uh, you know, we all know what happened in Nineveh. <laughs> Jonah didn't want to go and prophesy against Nineveh because he thought maybe, just maybe God would relent. And he did. And, and so, um, but, you know, That repentance took place from the leadership down. And right now, I I just don't see that happening in in the United States, uh, unfortunately. But I I do see a a remnant of people waking up and making noise and taking a strong stand for the Lord on all fronts, uh, politically, economically, spiritually, in our churches, in our schools. And look what's happened in Florida you know, uh, I mean, if you'd have told me five years ago that Florida would be headed in this direction with strong leadership, I wouldn't have believed it. But it's it's happened there, and it's happening in a few other places. So that gives us a a glimmer of 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 hope
0: um, in 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 this physical realm. So we'll wait and see what happens. Uh, does the president? I know that recently there was um, some agreement that he relinquished some of our sovereignty to who. Uh, how much can he relinquish independent of legislative action over our sovereignty on health issues?
1: Well, this is being presented. It will be presented as an international treaty. And historically, uh, once presidents sign treaties, uh, they're pretty much viewed as as a law being enacted. Uh, Very rarely are they challenged or overturned. And if I'm not mistaken, um, I believe it would take a two-thirds votes in the Senate to overturn such a a, a signing of of, uh, a treaty by Biden. Um, And I I don't think that's going to happen. But even if it just took a simple majority, uh, even that probably won't happen. Um, So that's why Congress needs to make a lot of noise on this thing. Get it out. Let the people of America know uh, that this treaty is almost done. I mean, they're just tweaking it. And then the signing of it will begin. They want to get this done in 2023. I know that for a fact. It may or may not happen that way, but that's what the U.N. wants to do for full implementation in 2024 which again tells me maybe they're thinking ahead for a possible pandemic hitting around that time and they want this in place. And so if all this goes through, then we would be obligated in the United States to abide by that international treaty, which would be enforced. And that changes everything. Uh, You know, this first round uh, here in Indiana, where we live, honestly, uh, we didn't notice that much of a difference. I remember on a Friday night, my wife and I went out to local Lake community here that has a lot of restaurants. And there were probably about 100 people or so out. Uh, only three or four of them were wearing masks and the restaurants were wide open. And uh, the reason why Indiana stayed pretty open, um, our governor, who's a Republican, he tried to tighten his control and use COVID to do so. Uh, but within a few days our sheriff in our county here in Hamilton County where we live who happens to be a Christian and he used to go to our church stuck his neck out and he said this is unconstitutional I'm not going to go along with this and we're not going to allow it well the next day and the day after several dozen other sheriffs from around the state joined him and it became a wave and then the Indiana General Assembly was emboldened they cracked down and said no this is unconstitutional we're not going to allow you to do this so here in indiana we stayed fairly uh, open and again it took one man standing up others began to join him and then others and and so uh but with this what's going on right now with this international treaty because it's been under the radar with most people most christians even well-informed christians have no clue that this is going on and that's the, that's the problem. So people really need to know about this and, and write their congressman and start putting pressure on the Biden administration now. Fox News needs to cover this, Newsmax and others, they, they, they need to get on it and not wait until it's actually presented and, and being considered for ratification. Um, the World Health Organization has gotten boo of funding from Bill Gates. Way back in 2010, he announced that he was gonna commit $10 billion to the World Health Organization to implement vaccine programs worldwide. And uh, he and and some of his cronies went on to do major experimentation uh, with various vaccines in Africa. Uh, And they were very detrimental with many of the people involved, a high percentage of them having negative reactions, some of them dying, there have been lawsuits, but none of this has been covered in, in, in the mass media. Uh, Apparently, Gates is too powerful for anybody to to touch him in the media in that kind of a way. I don't know. Um, But the the World Health Organization and the Gates Foundation have a very tight alliance. In fact, um, if I can remember the names, um, an organization called Trust Stamp, which is a technology organization, and MasterCard, which brings up the financial side of it, together with GAVI, which is an acronym for the Global Alliance of Vaccines and Immunizations, and which is heavily funded by Bill Gates. Those three organizations have been working together to come up with, um, call it a tag, a mark, that can actually be placed on a human being's body that combines the digital ID, a means of buying and selling, and the vaccine record all into one and they've been experimenting with this in west africa since the summer of let's see this this coming summer it'll be three years so i guess since 2020 that's when we found out about it and the information began to leak out and then everything went you know quiet on it and we don't know where it is right now uh so again you know as christians we shouldn't be surprised the bible has given us a heads up we know where things ultimately are going but these people are active actively involved in moving things uh, in that direction and they'll go as fast as they can when they yeah, when yeah. they sense an opportunity thank you uh thank you
0: so much gary uh, jim
2: gary an international pandemic treaty has the name treaty in it which i was under the impression Requires a vote
1: of the Senate before it can be approved. Am I incorrect? In in the past, uh, agreements, okay, agreements and treaties are slightly different from each other, and so presidents have cleverly uh, straddled the line on that. Uh, When something is an agreement, they can act more independently. When it's a treaty. they have to do some convincing of, of Congress uh, to get it through. So I don't know what the latest is regarding the Senate on that and or, or what they're going to try on that. But I do know once it's ratified to overturn it, uh, it would take a, a vast majority of the Senate, if not two thirds. And I need to check into that because I'm rusty on that. Uh, I actually debated someone on that about two decades ago because at that time, Uh, There were people calling for a constitutional convention in in our country, and uh, they wanted to bring certain things about to move us in the direction of global government and do so through international treaties. And um, it didn't go anywhere, fortunately, because several of the states cracked down on it. It was being presented in the state of Missouri at the time. Um, So anyway, I'll get back with you on that. I'll check into it. We rarely have yeah. a situation like this actually. I'm the impression that a treaty requires a Senate approval, but uh,
2: I've been watching a phenomenon I've never seen in my life, and that's BlackRock, which most people would not have known the name of BlackRock three to five years ago. Uh, now astute uh, Americans know what it is and the manipulation it is in our culture. But they've been running ads on, I think, Fox uh, ads telling how wonderful BlackRock is. That tells me they know they've got a PR problem. The word is
1: out and they've been exposed. Am I correct? I believe so, uh, because about the time that the information started going out on, on some of this is when uh, uh, I first noticed the BlackRock commercial starting to be aired on Fox. Uh, I, I, I've seen them for probably the last two months on a semi-regular basis. Um, so yeah i I think they realize that if states start pulling their funds out what what if 30 of the states did that that's a lot of money and even though blackrock is well funded and they're an international organization you know they don't want to take that hit but not only that when people find out that their states are pulling funds out of blackrock they then begin to ask questions why are they doing that what's going on here and they look into it and then they think well maybe Uh, You know, whoever is investing my resources, I want to check out if they're investing in BlackRock, I don't want it in there either. And so it could have a, uh, you know, a ripple effect. So, um, yeah, the fact that BlackRock is spending money on advertisements on Fox News tells me they, you know, there's a battle being waged behind the scenes. On July the 16th, Saturday evening, probably around
2: 10 o'clock at night, I landed at Washington Airport, Reagan uh, Air- Airport in Washington DC, got in a taxi and was driving to a hotel, being driven to a hotel. And as soon as I got away enough, far enough away that I could see the, the, the lit uh, Washington Monument, a thought went through my head in an instant that had never been, I'd never thought of. I, I, it, this wasn't a planned thought. It went through my mind in an instant. Uh, now I've lived my whole life where the United States has been the primary military leader of the entire globe, stronger than any orga- any uh, entity in all of history. But the thought that went through my mind as I saw that Washington Monument lit up that at night, which I've seen many, many times at night, which has always inspired me, on that occasion, the thought that went through my brain was, that's the epicenter, Washington, D.C., that is, that's the epicenter of the second greatest present military power in the world. I kind of gasped as I thought that. Was that thought correct? By second, I mean that China has in fact surpassed this. Uh,
1: China is very formidable. Uh, They've been beefing up their military, pouring billions of dollars into it for years now, but so has Russia. Uh, Putin has submarines now that may surpass ours in some areas. The, U- the U.S. has always had a technological edge, uh, but numerically, and with some of the unknown uh, new warships and submarines that have come online in China and Russia, the two of them together definitely are more powerful than the U.S. That would be a fair statement. Whether China and the U.S., if we go one-on-one, what would happen? Um, you know, it, it, it would be ugly uh, because we have our nuclear submarines out there as well. Uh, But clearly, China feels we're weak right now, and so does Russia. We have very weak leadership. Uh, Biden is very blackmailable. Uh, He's had all kinds of dealings uh, through Hunter with China. We all know about that. And so China, they're being tempted to make a move. Um, I feel that the the U.S., really since the the mid-'90s, do you remember when uh, Gorbachev and H.H.W., Uh, struck an agreement, and we began to close down our U.S. military bases, and we closed down a lot of them uh, in the 90s. I I really believe that's when our military began to go downhill in comparison to China and and Russia. Then under President Trump, it began to make a comeback, and um, uh, unfortunately, uh, he is not in right now. And under the Biden administration, uh, he's been bringing wokeness into the military. A lot of our good military people have been leaving, some of them, uh, because they don't want to take the vaccine. And uh, in fact, I would urge the new Congress to hit that before they do anything else, to try to get back some of our military people who haven't been vaxxed. Um, But anyway, our military has been dealt a huge blow. And I don't know at this point if they can recover and, and be a, a, a good match, especially if China and Russia were to team up against us. Oh, I think we'd be in, in a great deal of trouble. And as I mentioned earlier, I believe that um, we can't rule out a limited nuclear strike on our coastal cities. And it has actually become, you know, it, it used to be that, that uh, Russia operated under uh, MAD, mutually assured destruction. Uh, But more recently, uh, the use of nuclear weapons is actually a part of their military strategy that they consider if it's required to win a war. And again, a lot of people in the U.S. are not aware of that. That's been a shift in strategy. I understand the law
2: requiring the vaccine was just dropped, but they did not reinstate all the people they booted out who did not take the vaccine. So they lost an enormous number of very high quality people. Yes. On top of that, given the fact that Biden seems to want to outfit our military to learn how to wear high heels, a lot of conservatives are not signing up. They are miserably all branches of service meeting way below their recruitment goals, considerably below the recruitment goals. And so uh, I asked my question in the context of that uh, occurring at the same time. I'll shift to uh, another uh, another question or actually an observation what you made about repentance being the key. Repentance being the only key force this point as we were preparing for February the first Wednesday morning at the Museum of the Bible, a national gathering of prayer and repentance carefully selected members of Congress will be praying that morning 630 in the morning Uh, there's uh, 25 to 30 evangelical organizations so far who are plunging in with us and going together uh, for this event. Uh, February the 1st, Wednesday morning. uh, It's going to be aired one hour, of. it's going to be aired on on Daystar as well. But the thought that keeps rolling around my head is such a tough one. And and that is, when when God destroyed the the Northern Kingdom with Assyria, it was not because Assyria was godly. It was because Northern Kingdom was so rebellious. When God destroyed the Southern Kingdom of Israel with Babylon, because Babylon was godly or more righteous, it was because the north the, the southern kingdom was so evil, and and so we sit here thinking, Well, we've got a lot of believers still left in the country, and yet we just saw, saw December the 13th, where this just boggles my mind for the first time in the history of America. All three branches of government affirmed that for which God destroyed Sodom. That being the case. Oh, uh, would it not be possible that God could use an evil force an unthinkable evil evil force? We think, of, we think of North Korea, we think of Iran, we think of Russia, we think of China, an evil force to put an end to a country that has so universally turned it's not universally, but to such large measure has turned their back on God. Is that not within the scope? That's not what we want at all, obviously. And so that leaves us with the option does it not, of repentance above all else, pleading that somehow 10 righteous can be found in inside. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I, I agree completely. Um, I mean, how many uh, countries and empires have been destroyed or significantly weakened and brought down uh, by powers that seem to be more evil than them? Um, if we look at ancient Israel, I believe God allowed that to happen. I believe he he removed his protective covering, first from the northern kingdom and then eventually uh, uh, Judah, the southern kingdom, uh, because they embraced so many of the teachings and beliefs of the nations around them that God forbid them from becoming involved in their religious practices. And yet they did and became quite vile at that. And so then God allowed those very powers to overtake them. Later on, he dealt with those powers and brought them down, too. But first, he allowed those powers to come against Israel. And I think it was because Israel knew better. They knew better. They had the law and the prophets and still did what they did. And I think you can put our country uh, in a similar category right now. You know, we were founded, uh, although we're not not perfect by any stretch, but our founding was based strongly on Judeo-Christian Principles and um, people who, you know, if we could go back to the 1800s for one hour um, and and look at where we are now, I mean, we're a completely different country, and every effort has been made uh, to warn people, to call people to repentance, and yet things have gone from bad to worse, and and it seems to be accelerating, if anything, in, in, in the last few years. And so, to to answer your question or or add to your comment yes, I believe that the United States could experience God's judgment. We may already be under a form of his judgment if you look at what's going on. And he could allow our enemies to come against us and experience a a degree of success against us because we of all people should know better. Uh, We have a church on every street corner Uh, almost every household has multiple bibles and yet look at where you know where we're at Um, to further drive this point home i want to give you an example from my own family Um, my mother grew up under hitler in nazi germany her father my grandfather was very outspoken against hitler in their small village of 300 people but the school teacher, who was a Nazi, we believe ratted on my grandpa. And so one day, two members of the secret police showed up looking for my grandpa. They couldn't find him, so they went to the mayor's office. And fortunately, he was a friend of the family's. And so he wasn't about to, to rat on a grandpa. So he sent them to a neighboring village and said, hey, last time I saw him, he was over there. Then he hunted down my grandpa, found him, and said, you've got to get out of here. They're looking for you. And he ended up having to camp out in a forest uh, that had wild pigs and wolves uh, for a period of time uh, until the coast was clear. Despite his strong stand against Hitler, and and many Christians in Germany did take a stand. In fact, um, I hate to to guess how many true Christians there were in Germany at the time of World War II, but it would have been in the hundreds of thousands, if not even in the millions, More of them should have taken a stand against Hitler, but many of them did. My grandpa was one of them. Despite that, when the Allies began bombing Germany and they hit the area south of Stuttgart, the Swabian villages there where my mother and her family lived, they, as Christians, taking a stand against Hitler, had the roof blown off of their house by an Allied bomb. In other words, when... God allows a, a, a nation to go down when his judgment comes. Even Christians can be affected to a degree. And I think, too, that's some, I mean that's a, a thought that can be debated, and we can talk about that. But I think a lot of American Christians have almost been cocky, thinking it can't happen here. It won't happen here. Uh, you know, we're, we have Christian roots. Uh, we've supported Israel. Uh, we sent the gospel around the world. Uh, God's not going to judge us and bring us down um but you know again you look at nazi germany and germany was once a strong christian nation that's the where where the reformation took place it's where the first bibles were printed and some of our greatest theologians came from germany and yet it resulted in world war ii and what happened there with the jewish people and god judged them uh there were cities that were totally leveled by the allies and um, I hope, I hope, and pray that doesn't happen here in the U.S. Um, but I believe the only thing that would avert it at this time is is just a massive repentance and 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 crying out to God and and hoping that that God would would intervene and that He would use this current Congress um, somehow in a way that we can't even fathom right now to help politically also uh, turn things around.